Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. Before we get started, I want to tell you about Race Tech. Race Tech does more than just uh, Supercross and Motocross. You've seen it with the Solitaire guys and the Motul AGE guys, of course, many of the top privateers, but they also do off road stuff. Cody Webb, Cooper Abbott, the Factory Sherco team recently switched to Race Tech as your suspension of choice. So whether it's Enduro Cross, Hard Enduro, or some other radical challenge, the riders have tested and chosen Race Tech to help them get the, over the obstacles. And to the finish line, Racetech.com, Pulp23 is the code to save. Get some, get some savings on motor or suspension work from Racetech. Thanks for listening. On to the show. A Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires, Renthal, Motosport.com, and Kuba Links on RacerXOnline.com. With your continuing gracious support of our sponsors, we're thriving at over 1,800 podcasts delivered with over 20 million downloads. Click the Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews, race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's the voice bringing it all to you, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. 25 years of fly racing. They're excited to celebrate it, led by the Formula Helmet, featuring the Rion technology. Fly Racing continues to push the boundaries of product performance and design. They want to thank their dealers and customers for 25 incredible years. Check out the all-new website at flyracing.com, at Fly Racing USA on social media, or check out the athletes this summer, guys like Chiz, first three anyways, guys like RJ Hampshire should be winning the Nationals, and uh, many other racers wearing Fly Racing. Chance Hymas, too. Remember Chance Hymas? Fast. He's going to be wearing Fly. Flyracing.com, please check those guys out at your local dealer or motorsport.com. We'll tell you more about motorsport.com and Cobo Links later on, but thank you to Renthal. Made over there in the UK to the tightest of tolerances, to the greatest of specs. Really informative website, whether it's uh, the Fat Bar 36, the Fat Bar Twin Wall Bar, 7 8 Bar. They've got you covered. Cloth bar pads, the vintage guys, they got that also. Grips, sprockets, chains, all sorts of things going on with the folks at Renthal. You know, uh, Factory Honda, Factory Kawasaki, Factory KTM using Renthal and uh, having a lot of success for, with it over the years. They have a long, long history of uh, supreme uh, race-winning results over there at Renthal. Thank you to those guys. Also, thank you to the folks at Maxxis. Get ready to tread victoriously with the new Maxxis Moto Tires. Experience the full shred potential of the two treads designed for soft to intermediate and an intermediate to hard terrain, developed and with uh, the expertise of seven-time Supercross champion Jeremy McGrath. You know, they say seven-time Supercross champion, and he is, but he also is a one-time outdoor champion. They should put that in there. Uh, anyways, grip, stability, and predictability that surpasses all others. Available now at your local Maxxis dealer or online, shop.maxxis.com. Maxxis MX Series, a gift from the science nerds to the moto kids. Pick your pair. Thank you to the folks at Maxxis for coming on board and uh, great mountain bike tires as well. So thanks to those guys for making this podcast happen. Thank you, people, for listening. Remember, you can always use the contact form at pulpamex.com to shoot me a note about anything you want to talk about. Really appreciate the... Uh, Support over the years for these podcasts, man. 
Been doing it since 2008. We're still doing it now. All right. On to the show. All right, everybody. Now, as promised, a, a, a look at the industry from another side than uh, most of the times that I do these podcasts. I look at it from somebody that, that has been a racer and been involved with racing, uh, st- took a step away. Now he's back into it again in a PR role, a senior manager of public relations, brand experience, race marketing at Team Green, Kawasaki guys. Uh, it's Ken Essex. What's up, Ken? How are you, man? Good. How are we doing, Steve? Good. Thank you for doing this. Appreciate it. Uh, interesting career I think you've had a little bit here. So. Yeah, and you're to you're to thank for a little bit of it. So, <laughs> oh, or, give you some kudos. Yeah, or, or well, we'll get into that a little bit later. But <laughs> m- maybe thank or, or yeah or not thank. I don't know, depending on how, <laughs> on depending on how it goes. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, depends on the day. But no, I think it's interesting because yeah, as you're you're at PR in Kawasaki, and um, you're working closely with the race team, but also closely with you know doing demos and marketing campaigns, and you have the new Kawasaki SR450 coming out, and there's all these things that your job entails. And at heart, though, you're a motocross guy. You race motocross, like you know you're from Canada. We'll get into the Medaglias later. Um, so you're you've branched away from like a traditional like moto media slash mechanic. Uh, gear guy, goggle guy, that guys like you would look to be doing, if you know what I mean. Um, it's not uh, you're involved, but you're not involved. So it's a you kind of get a little bit of taste of being involved in a sport, but maybe from an outside level, an outside distance. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's you know with Kawasaki racing is a huge part of our brand, huge part of our heritage. So we're definitely. I mean, we talk about KX and we talk racing every day especially in in my vein you know we've got our our whole race marketing team so i'm definitely still connected just not as Mm -hmm. hands-on um more of just overseeing and then and the 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 boots on the ground if you will are you know still in the shop and going to the races um but you know we're touching you know our newsletters to our email social um all of that is is ongoing week to week so um it's still a, a, a massive part of my role did it not interest you to, you know, do what I did or do what other guys do and go to these races full time and, you know, hang out with the racers and all that? Were you ever interested in that kind of role? Well, initially, when I first came on board and working with Cowie on the on the PR side, mm-hmm. that that essentially was I was I was the PR representative for for Monster Energy Kawasaki, going to the races. Um, we had two of us, so we were able to trade off. That's that's yep. our program that, that kind of helps out with schedules and everything. Um, and did that for almost four years. So I got a good taste of that. And But ultimately, with my marketing background, I, I kind of wanted to branch out beyond mm-hmm. that. And yep. uh, luckily, I was able to step into a role in-house with Kawasaki that was more broad dealer marketing, you know, everything from jet skis, side-by-sides, ATVs, street bikes, and dirt bikes. So I, I stepped away for a couple of years, but ultimately, like you said, you know, motocross is still my passion. Mm-hmm. And uh, when when the role came up to, to move to more of a PR and have a, a much more hands-on operation uh, on the race marketing side, I, I got back to it as soon as I could. Yeah, it's interesting. You've had a really good look at, like, you know, uh, the glamour and glitz of Supercross and working with the guys and, and, and being side by side with them. But then you have a broader look of like, well, you know, listen, UTVs are really driving us, our business right now, for example, or, or street bikes or whatever it is at Kawasaki. And, you know, now you're looking at like a global business sense or, or American business sense. Anyways, it's interesting. You've, you've got it from all sides kind of can a little bit, you know? 
Yeah, absolutely. It's it's funny how, you know, coming from the outside, you know, anybody that's passionate about dirt bikes and motocross, you know, it seems like this massive industry, but once you're in it, you realize how, how small and and niche it really is. And then when you take a look and even step outside of that silo, (laughs) you know, at, even at Kawasaki, like there's, you know, Dan Fahey and the, and the race team and all the mechanics and crew chiefs, they kind of operate in a silo because, you know, their, their goal is to go racing and, and sure racing is an extension of marketing and it's ultimately we're trying to to sell KX dirt bikes um, and everything else. But it it really operates, you know, independently of the rest of our business. Um, But as I said at the start, it is an integral part of our marketing plan. Um, And everybody in the building at Kawasaki loves racing, loves team green, you know, everybody yep. wears their, their team shirts on, on Fridays before the weekends. And, you know, it, it's a huge part of our, it's not like everyone else in the build doesn't pay attention to it. At some point it was you on the weekends helping with PR with the race team. And then you didn't come and then your brother showed up and then it was just the SX brothers for a while we had. <laughs> so that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it, it's uh, you know, we're, we're five years apart. So as I was kind of transitioning out, he was transitioning in, getting mm-hmm. out of, you know, finishing college and, and looking to step into the industry, and it, it just so happened to kind of we uh, we traded spots there for a couple of years. One of the guys at Cowie that's been there for a while, and I don't think he's as involved anymore day to day. He doesn't come to as many races, and he worked for Monster for a little bit, but he's a longtime Cowie guy, Bruce Sternstrom. I know he was uh, there at times when you were there. He's such a great guy. Love talking to Bruce. Uh, what was it like having Bruce as a boss for a little while? Bruce, Bruce is a character. Absolutely. He's great. And, yeah. uh, he's, he's one of a kind. He's, he's been around, he's, he's seen it all. You know, he started on more of a, an R and D side with Cowie in the back in the, I want to say eighties. Yeah. yeah uh, early eighties. Maybe seventies. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, was really part of the jet ski brand launch in the IGSBA and uh, the world finals. In and Lake he will, Havasu. and he will talk to you about jet skis for hours. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that was, that was his heyday. Right. Um, but then he started transitioning to more of a, you know, as the company was moving and KX and dirt bikes were a big part of the brand through the eighties and nineties. Uh, he was then part of the, part of the racing side. And then ultimately he was director of marketing for, for a little bit before he departed and, and went to monster, um, you know, ran, ran monster marketing for a number of years. And now he, is back as a consultant, outside consultant for, mm-hmm. for our racing team, and uh, is still, you know, still at the office, still uh, part of daily yeah. decisions and, and working with the race team. But yeah, Bruce is Bruce is awesome. He, um, he was great. I imagine he's got so much, so much knowledge, so much, you know, uh, heritage. He's been, you know, worked through all the of of the Emig era to the mm-hmm. RC era to the Stu era. Um, and, and to today, so it's pretty cool. He, as a guy, like I'm in the media. You and I are actually on opposite sides here. We, we work together uh, for PR things, and I'm in the media trying to, you know, report to the fans. And there's things that you don't want me to know, and there's things that I'm trying to find out, and all of that game, um, which is, you know, what we do for our jobs. And I think we all respect and understand our jobs. And Bruce was that way, also. Like Bruce would be like, I can't tell you, I can't tell you that. 
if I told you that, I'd have to kill you. <laughs> you know, things like that. And I'm like, cool, man. Yeah, like, I get it, right? Like, I'm not, you know, things like that. And he was always very honest of what he could tell you and what he couldn't tell you, you know? But at least he didn't lie to you or, or you know what I mean? That kind of stuff. I, I, always, I always enjoyed my dealings with Bruce on a PR level. And then, of course... Having a few beers after the races, that's a that's another story where he tells jet ski stories. For sure. But yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, what years were you going to the races for Cowie? So I first came on board in twenty eleven. And so right on the tail end of uh, you know, a successful run where Ryan R V was re- winning everything. Um Wilson was winning, um, and then we moved into twenty so twenty twelve was basically when I started traveling with the team going to the races, uh, all the way through 20, the start of 2015. Okay. And then I, I moved on to the, the dealer side. So you actually, a little bit of a rough time for Cowie in your era, right? Um, not, yeah, so it's Reed, definitely some ups and downs. Mike I Fisher, mean, the, Reed Nordine era. Um, so you know, it was post yep. post Fisher era. Mm-hmm. Um, I came in, uh, so Bruce and Fisher were gone. It was Reed and, and Dan, uh, running the ship. And of course we had RV. So RV was very dominant, Mm -hmm. um, up until going to Europe. So on the 450 side, you know, we had a great team, uh, you know, became really close with, with Ryan and, uh, you know, Jake, um, a lot of the guys that were working through the program on the 250 side. Yeah. That was kind of the end of our, 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 a really good run of, of championships. Mm -hmm. Um, we did have, um, Blake won outdoors uh, in there, and of course we had a ton of should be championships yeah, you know, yeah. That, that slipped through our fingertips. Between you know, uh, Dean should have had a couple. Um, you know, Adam's rookie year should have been his. Mm-hmm. He let that slip. He actually passed passed the torch um, to uh, Marty. Martin had the points lead, then he threw it away. So it slipped through two fingers there. I think Blake was involved um, so, yeah. in that too. Blake was in the middle of somewhere Blake involved, was and then in he the, got in hurt. The mix yes. of that. So <laughs> yeah, yeah there was a, there was a lot of that should have been, yeah. could have, would have. You know, you look at uh, similar situation to what yep. what Eli is facing right now, where they just you know slipped through our fingers those sure. those couple of years, but uh, a lot of wins in that time. So you know, the winning if you look at our wins and our championships, Cowie's still uh stands on top uh against our competitors just because we were racking up the wins yeah. just didn't have uh didn't have the closure at the end you know ken this is actually we're doing this um i need to look back and for sure trace this but i did some rough math and i think 2023 is the first year kawasaki has not won a 450 supercross or a 250 supercross since 1983 yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so I'm just we're doing this at a low point, know, it, but yeah. I, I absolutely no. I mean, it's it's part of it. There's yep. there's ups and downs. If you look at you, you look at our friends in red, and uh, you know how many yeah. how much you know the, the RC curse they're calling it right, the broadcast, right? right? Yep. Um, so there's ups and downs in the sport, and and you know it's a good thing. You don't want one team to be super dominant. Uh, obviously, we had high expectations um, given the the last couple of years, and. You know, Jason had a fantastic surprise run for us mm-hmm. last year, honestly. Um, and, uh, you know, we know Adams has the potential, has the speed, but dealing with some physical things that have that have held him back. So we know we still have a strong, strong guys. It just, you know, didn't didn't fall our way this year. Um, and that's just part of the sport, you know. Um, let's talk a little bit about like in your role as PR for the race team when you did that. And, you know, you're still involved at, uh, at some level. Um, 
it's it's come a long way since I started being a media guy. I started being a media guy in like 07. It's come a long way. There, there's definitely been some improvement. But other times, like I can't get a, a text or an email back from a PR rep, right, from an OEM. And, and even if they can't do something or that doesn't work, like I just feel like, you know, me as a as a, a, a a one of the more popular media spots in the sport should get at least a, 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 a an email or a text back or whatever. But it has come a long way. It's worked out. But then on the other hand, too, you're dealing with young kids, and you know this as well as I do. You're dealing with young athletes, emotional guys. Um, you know this is not a team sport. It's uh, you know if you don't if you crash, it's it's all on you, and uh, and all of that on all of those things that we love about Supercross and motocross, but. Um, how difficult is it being PR in our sport, either when you were doing it back then and compared to now? Like, I see improvements, but I see a ways to grow. Yeah, there's definitely always always ways we can make it better, especially when we stack up our sport against, you know, mainstream uh, stick and ball sports, right? I think there, you know, we've always tried, you know, during my tenure at least, you know, we've always tried to have a structured line of communication, uh, a, a formula, a, a policy on how we go about things. Mm-hmm. You know, used to it would it would drive me nuts. You know, that when you or anybody else would would just be texting Ryan Villapoto directly, and then we're out of the loop and we're trying to control the message or you know <laughs> manage sure. yep. manage his obligations and 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 calendar for a race weekend, and then he's like, oh no, I got to go meet so and so because they text me. He's like, well. You know the proper. You would never be able to text LeBron. And, no, you know, a, a basketball media guy is not going to be able to reach an athlete that way. And as much as it's nice that we have that ability to yep. have such a close relationship, it also creates some difficulties along the way. And that you know, I think we constantly battle with. Everybody wants to be buddy buddy, and nobody wants to burn any bridges. But doing that kind of doesn't allow you to do your job professionally. And can cause some issues too. Yeah, it it almost in our sport. It, you're absolutely right. Like it's very personal. It's uh, we're all in this traveling circus together. But on the other hand, yeah, there's proper ways to do about it. And and like you said, I'm as guilty as the last guy. But some of the some of the things can like, you know, I had an I had an issue with a rider a couple of years ago. You know, kind of blowing me out on social media, kind of honestly being a bit of a dick on social media and and publicly to me for not really any reason. And I reached out to the agent, not the team, but the agent, and just got like a laughing emoji back. And I'm like, hold on. No, like this is like if you're a real agent, like we got to handle this. Right. Right. But but so there's things that are lack of professionalism on both sides, on the media side and on the PR slash agent side where. You know, in a real sport, this would be like, hey, man, you know, we're going to um, uh, handle this and look at it and deal with it and talk about it, right, and work through this. So, uh, there is all of that. I think there, yeah, there's, you know, yeah, and I think it's it's part of that. You know, it's it's kind of part of our industry culture a little bit that because everybody sees everybody week in week out of the weekend, you know, and they're you're you're, like you said, you're having beers with with team managers and something Mm -hmm. after the race or you're you're coming in and stopping in for a coffee or having a bite to eat you know it you create these relationships that that flow over the professional boundaries Mm -hmm. which then you know then you don't feel uh, like oh this isn't just a request this is just uh my buddy steve hit me up about something yeah you know so it's 
it's tough. And I, I think it would take a lot for us to progress away from that just because of the way it's always been. And, yeah. you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that long ago that, you know, the sport, you know, even in your days, you know, box fans and, yeah. and people just hanging out. And, you know, now we've, we've obviously come a long way in the last 30, 40 years, but, um, you know, it's going to take probably a lot more growth on our side to to get totally away from that. How do you handle uh, riders, either a doing their oblig- obligatory meeting media meetings, or you know they they do the press conferences? Obviously, that's pretty much a non-starter. But how do you how do you handle doing that uh, from a rider's point of view? I mean, Adam Cincerillo certainly you know is a, a great guy, and again, somebody that I text personally. Um, how do you? How do you deal with that? How do you make sure they're doing enough or, you know, they're able to say no or whatever it is? Well, what we do, and, and you know, it's funny you bring that up because we, we actually are tr- transitioning into two new team members to take over the, the race Cowie uh, PR as, as our two guys that have been doing it the last couple of years are, are transitioning to new roles. So uh, we've got two new team members and we're going through all that kind of okay. thing is, you know, how do you, you need to build that personal rapport with the riders so that they, respect and and trust you know what you're asking them to do is is of importance um so a lot of it's kind of setting setting the boundaries setting the expectations with those riders um and not letting them just because they're chase sexton you know 450 champion uh doesn't mean that they they still don't have to show up at a you know an obligation or or be on time for this call or this interview um so you know it's not easy like Mm -hmm. you said these a lot of the riders are young um, they're, they, they know nothing but motocross and, you know, sometimes they've got a higher priorities. Their job is to go out and win races and train and, and do their thing. And, um, not everybody grasps the importance of the media and the interviews and being timely. And, and that goes even to, you know, building a rapport within the team, the more professional riders are at an early age, you know, mm-hmm. it, it goes a long way when they're negotiating contracts and, and, wanting to build a, a long time home at, at some of these OEMs. So we always try, you know, at the beginning of the year, we, we do our, our media training as internal media training. I know mm-hmm. Feld now does a lot of um, media training with the team and, and gives, you know, we've taken steps from, from when I was doing, it, but we always wanted to, to go over the expectations and, and know that, you know, these are high importance and they're, they're important for the team. They're important for uh, the brand and, also, it, you know, you, you need to have that support throughout the race team. So, as I said, you know, as much as they operate in a silo, mm-hmm. you know, Dan Fahey knows the importance of these things and how important they are to our executives, to our sales team, um, and making sure that so he doesn't have a – the rider can't say, hey, Dan, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go do that, um, yeah. and Dan's going to protect him. You know, it's, right. we're all working up for the same team. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting going back to your time with RV, he, the self-proclaimed greatest – retired rider ever uh you know i've had him on my shows you, you know him well now i did know him behind the curtains when he raced and all that and i gave him a lot of shit about Stu when he was faster and you know i was in the truck when him and big b were trying to punch each other in the balls and wrestle and and then and then after the races i would tell media guy media guys would tell me like man i just he's such a dick and he's not he doesn't give me anything and he just mumbles and i'm like i don't know man like he's actually really funny and pretty lighthearted and pretty cocky and funny and all of that and you've seen all that pretty remarkable his transformation once the pressures and the spotlight went off of him huh 100 percent. yeah, yeah it's, as soon as you know he was able to turn the page on on his career and 
you know, he had his, his family growing and, and everything else. You definitely saw a different guy. Well, or I shouldn't say a different guy. You saw, you that, saw the yeah. guy that was yep. the behind the scenes guy with now the <laughs> right. public facing guy. Um, so, and, and again, I think it comes down to there's, there's an immense amount of pressure on these guys. There's a lot of money on the line. Um, and they're ultimately paid to do one thing and that's win races. Yeah. And so all the other things, are, are not high priority. And when you're, your day is so dialed from what you're eating, when you're eating it, when you're waking up, when you're going to bed, making sure you're, you know, getting enough sleep, making sure you're recovering, you're stretching, you know, they have so much on their plate to be the most, the most dialed as mm-hmm. they can be. And when that, that, you know, basically, takes over your life. You, yeah. And so they don't, they don't, it's hard to turn off at that point for those guys. But then the second he was done and, you know, hung up the boots, then, you know, he was able to relax and, uh, and let his guard down and, and be who he wanted to be. Yeah. So <laughs> Which... uh, it, it's definitely been a cool, cool transition. And it's great for everybody to see that now. Um, and him to, you know, really be uh, himself. How many times did he just make you shake your head when you're trying to get him to do something? As a, oh, dude! <laughs> it, it was, you know, it, it, it's, it's a good thing because uh, I learned a lot through it. Because yeah. it, it, you know, you always learn more from uh, from the hard times than you do the good times. So, yeah, it was it was difficult at times, and you know, you had to keep your professionalism and at the same time <laughs> trying to just like beg this guy to, you know finish up and put some pants on so we can go to the de- dealer signing <laughs> do, or whatever. do anything <laughs> right yeah just exactly right yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but no he you know i i, I think we rag on him but ultimately he did, he did everything that was there was obviously some some compromises that we had to mm-hmm. had to make but that that comes with with any top yeah. tier guy no for sure right i uh, can't eli, okay. eli had his his difficulties and you know and there's everybody's different right yeah. so you got to figure out what's what works for them eli really changed after he got that one supercross title it, it was weighing on him and he was grouchy and you know he's having his weirdo races in every now and then and yeah same kind of thing right yeah. the pressure is is so high i mean mm-hmm. there's there's millions of dollars on the line right so i mean that's uh a lot it's hard for us to even compromise because you know we don't we don't work in in that type of situation no. where no. uh you know it's it's you either win big or it's yeah. like it's, it's as if you're at a you know steve you live in vegas it's like as if you belly up to the <laughs> the blackjack table and it's uh okay i'm putting my how much i got in the bank account yeah. okay, i'm gonna put that on the line every saturday <laughs> yeah right yeah and yeah you get it or you don't yeah <laughs> did you uh at times you know like look you're there as a pr rep and 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 um, as a guy to shepherd these guys for, to dealer signings slash uh, stadium signings and all that stuff. At times when, when it got tense and when, when things did get heated, because I've been on the inside of race teams, I know that happens. Were you like trying to be like Homer Simpson in the bushes and just like just just, just <laughs> back in here a little bit? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of times where I, mean, I think that's part of any, any team um, when you, you know, especially if – the guy's, you know, struggling. We've got to, he's got to put on a face for the fans, you know, go shake hands, kiss babies. Yeah. But the bike is not working and they're struggling to find this or they're dealing with an injury. And, you know, we, we really don't want to show that a lot of these guys, you know, and, and that's, you know, going back to your question about not getting a clear answer on Mm -hmm. some of this, um, 
injuries uh you know are looked at as a, as a weakness and as if uh you know if you've got a sore ankle then as if someone's going to come in and, and punch you on that on that, <laughs> on that side right it, yeah. it never happens that way but the guys don't want to show any weakness they want to go to the starting line with with so much you know mental yeah. uh game on the rest of the guys and i think a lot of that is is not always captured as much as, you know, us on the inside know it, but I think the broadcast and, you know, we've tried to do that with science of supercross is really get into the, the mental mind frame and the preparation and, and some of that behind the scenes stuff um, in those segments to, to try to bring that to the audience, because there's a lot of it. And in, over the years, you know, the mind games have been played with, you, you know, you look at like the Dunge and Lawrence era and you know rv was was one of the one of the most mental tough guys he really out was there. yeah he really was and but you know there was times where you know he he certainly feared uh james and there, there wasn't many guys he feared but yeah. uh you know given james credentials you know how can you not i was uh i used to I, i've been in the truck a few times when james was quickest and i'm like Still looks good today. He'd just be like, oh, yeah, rain and yellow. Yeah. Rain and yellow. <laughs> right, yeah, right. I'm like, it's going to rain yellow tonight. <laughs> and like, I think about it now and I look back and I'm like, here's this media guy just walking in a truck, you know, and, and with the number one rider, championship stuff on the line. And he's making fun of, or he's, you know, laughing with the star rider about the other ride. I was like, mm-hmm. what the hell was I thinking? But I think he liked it, you know? So. Yeah, well, you got to think it could go either way, right? Some yeah. riders would take it as yeah. like, oh yeah, they might smile and and laugh it off to your face, and then they turn their back and yep. go that 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 motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, right. Not RV that. Some, oh, no. some guys it fuels them. Sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> he would clap his hands and whistle. <laughs> so yeah, exactly right. Uh, actually, I was gonna uh, let me skip over a couple because you brought up science of supercross. And I had that written down here. Uh, good job on this stuff. Uh, Kawasaki's doing a really good job on this. Um, you know, obviously it's a bought and paid for type of thing, and that's fine. Some bought and paid for things are kind of lame, and they're not interesting, and you just your eyes glaze over. Not this Science of Supercross, though. You guys have done a really good job of this. It's well produced. You got all the team members getting the different limelight, right? Uh, you got McGrath in there. Good job on this uh, to everybody at Kawasaki, Ken. These things are cool. Yeah, I know. Appreciate that, Steve. I, you know, that's that was ultimately our goal. You know, we didn't want to just another paid yep. uh, brought to you by Kawasaki. Mm-hmm. You know, over the years, you know, initially we were the first ones that sponsored the 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 Arrow, you know, 3D track map, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that's gone to gone to the boys in blue now. But we moved on to you know working partnering, and it, it, part of it is just having a great partner with Feld uh-huh. and trying to create new ideas and. The goal was how can we show a behind, behind the scenes, you know, sciencey type approach that that shows the things that maybe the general consumer um, or or not even the weekend rider, you know, yeah. it's more the your, your neighbor down the street if they happen to catch it and and watch a broadcast that they might learn something from it. So, you know, I think we we've done a great job of that at first we were, we thought we'd reached the limits of mm-hmm. what we could capture, but we, yep. we've been working hard. Uh, Derek Natvig on, on our team, you know, he works closely with, with Feld and uh, you know, we're, we're working up ideas and, and some come from the race team. Some come from the sales team. Some mm-hmm. come from ours, just spitballing, but we've able to, you know, put out cool content you know, having James part of it this year was awesome. Uh, that was uh really great for him to be on board and uh, of course mc is is always 
fantastic yeah. to work with. So Yeah, what's it like having McGrath around? He's been back at Cowie. He rode for them in 1990 for Team Green, and he's been back there for, I don't know, three or four years, maybe longer. Uh, longer, yeah. Oh, longer. Uh, every time I ask him to do something, you know, I've had him on all my shows talking about old races, talking about new races. I had him up here for Show 500. I, honestly, dude, it couldn't uh, – I'm such a bias uh, towards Jeremy. He is such a rad dude, and I, I was around as a mechanic when he raced, and he was rad back then when he didn't have to be because he was Jeremy fucking McGrath, right? He could have been right. – he, he was the baddest dude in the world, and he could have had a, the biggest ego ever, and the guy never, ever did, man. Great guy. Yeah, fa- he's a fantastic brand ambassador for us. Um, you know, it's, uh, I'm I'm – fortunate to get to work with him you know text him call him work on projects mm-hmm. it's 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 awesome and he is there's a reason why he's he's showtime and he has a reputation he does and it's it's not a it's not a, a show either you know yeah. that's, no, that's no. him on no. or on or off it's not like he just turns it on for the camera or for when he's at the track uh he's he's a genuine great guy um loves the sport loves to ride you know he's just out at the maxis ride day uh yesterday or day before yesterday yep just loving being on his dirt bike, you know. He's just a an awesome guy. Um, and he, he, I think he, you know, he understands the value of everything we do. Um, growing the sport, all the outside sponsors, you know, working with sales team. He's, we even, you know, we get requests from other Kawasaki distributors around the globe. He's gone down to Latin America and Southern South America to do dealer visits and things of that nature. He's gone over to Europe, mm-hmm. so uh, he's just a a fantastic guy. We're very fortunate to to have him on the team. Um, I think it's been since I want to say 2015, oh, okay. 16. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, we're going on uh, eight years, two, seven, yeah. seven, eight years, I think. Well, I think um, he's a he's a great example of like he's still making a good living just being an ambassador. Now, obviously, he's the greatest supercrosser of all time, and we know all that. But there's plenty of great riders that you know aren't able to do that, and he is able to keep making money and keep being relevant because he's just a, a good guy to work with and a cool guy and he gets it right um and so yeah he props to him and and you guys and looks like it's working out well for everybody so um it's good to have him yeah, yeah. absolutely and it's even you know he's transitioned uh to a lot of four-wheel he was racing the the pro 2 lucas oil truck series mm-hmm. uh, for a while and and now he's taking that to side-by-side racing so um, as you mentioned, side by sides are a big part of the Kawasaki brand, so yeah. it's it's awesome to have them on on both sides, two wheels and four wheels. So let me ask you this, Ken, um, and and this is something because you, you, for a while there, uh, after the, the the initial PR, you went to a more sales route in in Texas for Kawasaki, right? You're a regional guy um, for a while, and so that that was a dealerships and 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 sales and all of that, and every manufacturer, I think back in the 70s or something maybe it was yamaha or somebody said you know win on sunday sell on monday right and there was ads about that and and everything else and i don't know i don't know how much that applies these days because you know obviously ricky won everything on suzuki and you know shortly after he left they 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 started you know kind of stagnating a bit where they're at how important is it to win on saturday now not sunday and sell on monday and do you see a correlation between that do you see uh, you know, a sort of um, an A to B point of where racing success drives units. There's definitely a correlation. Okay, uh, I wouldn't say it's as far as you know 
if uh, Jason wins on Saturday, then all of a sudden we see uh, an influx of KX sales on Monday. It's not that direct, right? Right. Um, but there is definitely some correlation between if if we're on the track winning, and not only on the on the racetrack, but if we're winning shootouts, if our you know we're winning bike of the year with our KX two fifty KX four fifty, mm-hmm. um, that certainly helps our dealer and the perception of customers walking in and and wanting the bike that they know it's told to be the best so i think as a as a japanese oem in, in our industry of of high performance products um mm-hmm. you know it's a it's a competition motorcycle it's it, a, a kx450 especially in, you know new kx450 sr it's a special racer it's it's designed to have the you know fastest lap times that you can throw down and that you you'd achieve that through suspension engine chassis performance and ultimately the consumer acknowledges that mm-hmm. and and they're going to go in and when the, they can walk into their dealer and there's a blue bike a yellow bike a red bike a green bike if they know that that bike's winning on the track and uh whoever the rider is 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 the best guy in the world right now they're they're opt to lean that way mm-hmm. so you've so, seen it yeah yeah like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Years, you know, when uh, when we make these transitions between model years and, and changes, and you definitely see those those peaks and valleys in the retail charts. Uh, when you know we've got bike that's winning championships and yeah. winning shootouts, kind of to something that's that's maybe not. You uh, you use bike of the year, and back there, that's my term. That's quote. You know, that's me. I've trademarked bike of the year on my show, so <laughs> I just want you to know that. You know, it's more for Blue Crew. And it's it's the, the Kawasaki 450 <laughs> SR. <right>? Uh, <laughs> let's talk about that SR a little bit. Now, obviously, Honda did this if, uh, a few years back, and you guys jumped on the bandwagon. And it's, a it's I mean, honestly, like, you know, I think that the gap in this country between the rich and the poor is is drastically growing. And there, between, with, between the stocks and the, the markets and uh, the digital age and the technology, the uber rich in this country, there's more and more all time. And the point I'm getting to this is that whether it's concert tickets that have now gone through the roof and, and apparently mm-hmm. and apparently they're selling because um, they keep doing it, whether it's VIP experiences that even Feld got jumped on board with it and you see it more and more, to you know 450s that are now thousands of dollars more than a normal 450, these things are selling. There's rich people or well-off consumers, let's put it that way, that are buying these things, and the OEMs, Honda, you guys, uh, are giving these people what they want, and money's not an object, and this is a real performance bike, um, and I think it's an opening up a whole new market. I would not be surprised, Ken, to see the other OEMs all offer this down the road a little bit. KTM did it sort of with their uh, uh, Works Edition, or not Works Edition, whatever they called it, the right. KTM yeah. one, um, Honda's Works Edition. Uh, you know, so there, this is something new, and it's working from what I hear. It is. It is something new. Uh, you know, 2022 was our first year of the, of the KX450 uh, SR. And uh, the, so the SR designation is that, that special racer. Um, different from uh, the, the Austrian brands there, we're kind of, you know, pre-releasing mm-hmm. next year, the next model year. Ours is really, uh, you know, it's, it's you want the, the special racer that Eli Tomac or Adam Cincerillo or Jason Anderson rides. Well, these are the components that, that they're racing on. So it was working directly with our, our race team component partners, 
and bringing to market uh, a limited edition. And, and I think that's key too. You know, this is, this is, like you said, it's a premium product, but it's, we're not just charging a premium. There's, there's a, a whole slew of, of top features mm-hmm. from engine modifications, you know, full pro circuit exhaust, Show a uh, show a eight kit suspension, X trig clamps. You know, you're getting a lot. It's not just graphics yeah. and uh, you know some some shiny anodized parts on it. So you're getting value for for the premium, um, but it is limited edition too. It's it's limited production. We don't expect that all of our KX buyers are going to want to go out and mm-hmm. and pay for this this premium product. But like you said, yep. the customer that wants, hey, I'm going to get motor work done. Yep. I'm going to put a pipe on. Uh, you know, I'm going to want to get my suspension dialed. If, if you're going to do all that anyways, why not bring something to market that's, that's turnkey that, that someone mm-hmm. can go into their Kawasaki dealer and, and roll that right onto the track and have a competitive package. And it's working. They, these things are selling. So, um, yeah, I think it, um, it's a, it's a new revenue source for an OEM and, um, there's people out there that want it, which is surprising to me a little bit, but I'm in a silo as we talked earlier. So, uh, I'm not, you know, the average consumer. Well, you know, yeah. Steve, we're going to get you on one here soon. I know we've been mm-hmm. talking about yep. it, so yep. uh, you, you might be you might have a different opinion here okay. shortly. Well, but um, uh, your buddy Chris Kiefer, he's uh, he's a big fan. Uh, he definitely sees the the value in this package because uh, it, it does give the bike a whole different feel. He would know more um, than I would, so yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, there's there's definitely a customer out there for it, and uh, yep. yeah, we're excited that the 2023 model. Um, Available now in your this, dealers. But, this, is, uh, this is before your time, but I love the fact they call it an SR because that was the name of Wardy's, oh, bikes, yeah. Wardy's factory bikes back in the day. Yes. You yeah, know? We, were, we fought for that. Yep. And it, it's cool to see this come to production. You know, we've been talking about this since yep. when, you know, when I was doing more race team stuff of how can we partner with Pro Circuit, Monster, oh, okay. yeah, all yeah. of these guys and, yep. and bring something to market. And it's it's been a work in progress for a long time. Um so yeah, the special rate, you know, we had in the Wardy era, uh, I think we, we didn't use it so much in the RC era, but definitely no, in the Stewart, once... the end, end of the two-stroke days, uh, Stu's 252 strokes were SRs. Oh, were they? Um, okay. I thought, it ended, yep. I thought it ended by then, but yeah, I love it. It's just, it's, no, a, it's I think an old Stu term. was the last one okay. before, before a couple of years ago, um, right. that we, we really had the SR designation, but this is the first time to put it into a production model. You know, that was always the mm-hmm. racing and you know where, where it comes from is we used to back in the day um obviously ama competition's always been production-based class yeah. but we would put in a request to japan and they would send special parts from japan and they'd be marked special racer parts right? nice yeah, so yeah that's where the sr uh designation comes from yeah. is uh those were what the parts were stamped from japan that that wardy and guys were you know using to to r&d and and make production changes uh are we, are we bringing Stu home are we bringing Stu back home what, what, what's the status of that like you said he was in a science <laughs> supercross uh he's he's Wait. slimming down he, he looks great like yeah, let's bring yeah, him home. he does look good he does look good i i would love to bring him home let's um, bring him home we'd love to yep. we'd love to put a number seven on a, on a kx 450 sr for okay. sure okay all right uh ken sx here on the fly racing racer x podcast thank you to koba links Lowering suspension link on everything from Aprilia to Yamaha to Kawasaki's, of course. And uh, they'll cover it uh, with a code PulpMX. They'll cover the shipping, and they'll give you a discount. Kobalinks.com, K-O-U-B-A, links.com. 
lowering suspension link. You can get those at motorsport.com. You can get Kawasaki OEM parts at motorsport.com. Uh, go through the banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Great prices, uh, whether it's Pro Circuit, whether it's X-Trig, uh, whatever it is, uh, they'll help you out with the with the, with the great prices and uh, free shipping on everything over 79 bucks. also, motorsport.com. And if you type in Pulp MX right now, you will get a deal on a set of Michelin tires for the month of May. So you got like... 12 day, 13 days left. Uh, type in Pulp MX when you check out with a set of Michelin tires and you get a, some money off. So thank you to those guys. And, uh, of course, Renthal and Maxis as well. On board with Maxis, Jeremy McGrath, Kawasaki rider. Um, so, Ken, when you left the PR uh, division and went into um, sales things out in Texas, and you currently you live back in Texas, did you find that that was a little more mundane, a little bit less exciting? Like, did you kind of – did you request to do – go back into PR, go back into marketing, or did you, was it something they asked you to do? Or like, was it just like, look, man, I'm getting tired of like warranting the, 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 the four, the quads and stuff. Like, <laughs> well, you know, my role w- w- wasn't so much sales and warranties and that type of thing. We oh, were, I thought it, it was, was still a marketing, okay. it was still right. a marketing role. Okay. So it was regional marketing. So basically I had, uh, the central region from Texas up to the Canadian border and, uh, all of the our Kawasaki dealers within that region, uh, we were help helping put together a marketing programs. Mm-hmm. So whether that's um, you know working with you know local programs, bringing the demo tours to them, um, making sure that they, you know, one of the dealers here in DFW Dallas, uh, you know, put together a group buy. So they have partnered with the the, the Texas Rangers uh, MLB team. You know. Mm-hmm. Partnerships like that, um, ad buys, billboards, you know, POP on the store, making sure that Cowie had a space carved out on the dealership floor amongst the other OEMs. So it was all still marketing related and it was totally at at my decision. I I was kind of over um, traveling week in, week out. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a big territory, I guess. It's a lot of would you drive or would you be flying to some of that stuff? No, it was it was it was was flying to some of that stuff. And, um, a lot of it was done remotely, you know, mm-hmm. working through our, our sales team or that region would be broken up into districts, sales districts. So, um, so, you know, I got off the road from the, from the racing stuff and wanted to, you know, settle down a little bit and, and kind of just broaden my horizons mm-hmm. from, from what we were doing on the race team side. And, uh, it was a great opportunity, you know, really got to understand the, the rest of you know, the power sports industry mm-hmm. and, and how important, you know, all of our, especially Kawasaki is unique. We have, we don't divisionalize our, our team. So everybody, you know, works on all products. We don't have a motorcycle team and a side by side team sure. and a jet ski team. Everybody works across all brands. So, um, it, you know, it just opened up some doors and, uh, you know, kind of helped me grow as a, as a marketing professional and, and ultimately then opened the door for me to go back into a PR role, but in a, you know, in a higher position and funny, you know, I started on the agency side and now, now that agency, you know, reports to me and I oversee yeah. their work on the, yeah. on the race side. So kind of, uh, flipping, flipping the roles a little bit. So, uh, um, someone's got to watch, someone's got to watch Tigar. Someone's got to watch him, you know? Um, <laughs> So what have you? So like we said, you're a moto guy, and we're gonna get we're gonna get into your path a little bit here in a little bit. You're a moto guy, but what have you? What has opened your eyes? And we talked about you know moto and supercross being in this silo, and and we're all into it. Uh, what has opened your eyes? Uh, Side by sides or jet skis or farm stuff? Anything that you're doing day to day that's not moto supercross? What's opened your eyes to like either 
really fun or and really cool and you're starting to enjoy it, or you didn't realize how big of an impact it had. Definitely the side by side industry. Yeah. I think uh, it's it's massive. It's it's insane how the numbers of side by sides that are yeah. sold in, yeah. in the U.S. and you know Kawasaki is just a, a small portion of that. But you know, and I think depending on your background, some people know side by sides as okay. Yeah, I've got the Kawasaki Mule, and that's well, you, you know you guys started it. You guys started the side by sides with a mule. Right. Nineteen eighty-eight, we yeah. kind of invented the category of, of side by sides, and uh, obviously it's grown uh, incredibly since then. Um, but you know, some people know it from just the the more utility mm-hmm. and agricultural side. You know, if you've got a ranch and you need something to go around and fix fence posts and feed the, feed the cows and the horses and that type of thing, you know, you use a mule to get around. But the other growing side is the, is the sport recreation side. And uh, for Kawasaki, we have the, the Terex, KRX 1000, and that is a rock crawler, fast, mm-hmm. sand whoops, you know, and that is, I'm telling you, it is a blast. As a, as a power sports, you know, lover mm-hmm. and, and racer growing up, jumping in four wheels and, and going on these off-road courses or just out in the desert is a ton of fun. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. It's, it's no, no question why you see guys like Travis Pastrana and Jeremy McGrath and these guys transitioning to doing more four four wheel stuff because it's a blast. Yeah. And dude, those guys, they're, they're spending a ton of money and they got a trailer and they got a truck and they got all the, yeah. Oh, the industry is massive. The industry is massive. And some of these side by sides, you know, you see at these, um, you know, in California, there's the, the sand sports show. It's kind mm-hmm. of a big, big desert season, uh, in the fall. And, you know, there's side by sides that are 70, 80, hundred thousand dollars and people yeah. are open up their wallets. Like it's nothing. That's crazy. <laughs> it's it's absolutely mind blowing for sure. Um, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about your path now coming from Ottawa, Canada, fellow Canadian, um, good friends with the Medaglia brothers, which by the way, that's a whole another podcast can maybe maybe devote another hour to those guys but well what's your best Derek medaglia story like what do you got like just the dad oh. what, what, what? he's a beauty he's just a beauty he's a beauty so yeah Derek d-dags is uh is one of a kind um definitely very close you know i the medallias are really got to thank them for for getting you know me into as as ingrained and, and loving motocross as much as i do the Actually, my first KX60 dirt bike was a handy down from from uh, oh, was it? Oh. after after oh. racing. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, he was. I, I, we kind of always took his bikes that he was selling. He'd race them, and then he'd uh, we'd buy them from mm-hmm. from them the next year uh, as we were initially getting into in the racing at uh, you know going to Sandalee and, and yeah. just racing across Ontario. But geez, best D-Dag story. <laughs> There's. I mean, he, he had know, pet I've deer spent, for a while. He's got... He's, oh, dude. The deer... <laughs> I, I remember that... So the first time... You know, this isn't the best story. Okay. But I remember the first... I went with uh, him and Tyler to pick up the first pet deer <laughs> that Derek was going to purchase. Okay. And when he was first building this pen, uh, his name was Petey. Yep, Petey. And, uh, <laughs> and RIP to Petey, but he was... Uh, it was pretty cool to see development and what's now, I think he's got acres, you know, yeah. of, of these, these deer pens. And of course they've, you know, um, uh, reproduced and he's got a whole <laughs> fleet of them out there now. It's insane. 
Um, but but he's a wild man, you know. Um, I mean, I don't have one story that that stands out, but he's yeah. Um, and Tyler is a beaut, also for sure, out there on the East Coast. Um, it it's funny. I think I need to blame you because at one point Derek bought an old bike from Meekum here, the Meekum auction in Vegas, and then I ended up <laughs> storing it. It was supposed to be for two months, and then COVID hit, and then I had this ultra rare late seventies Cowie street bike in yep. my garage for a year and a half. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely definitely can take the blame for that. Yeah, so Derek and, and and my dad. Uh, oh, that's right. They, it was your that, dad. That's right. Yeah, shit. So Derek I and my dad. Right. They, they build they build vintage nineteen uh, seventy uh, Kawasaki uh, Z one motorcycles, mm-hmm. and uh, they find them and. So the last couple of years, they've been traveling the traveling the Canadian countryside, and they're literally like their own version of uh, American Pickers. Yeah, they're going sure. into these guys and getting the line on. Oh yeah, this guy's got this guy's got a 1974, and it's unrestored. And then, uh, you know, my dad tells the story of the first one he bought uh, when he was getting into it. My my mom's all excited. My dad's coming home with a new you know vintage motorcycle. And he shows up with a frame and a box of parts. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, yeah. sure enough, he took it to the Meekum auction a, a year later and, and made a made a ton of money on it. So yeah. there, there's value there. But so, yeah, my, you know, we grew up close with the medallias, yeah. uh, traveling to races, going down to, um, you know, going down. Unadilla was always the closest national for us. So we, we'd caravan down there in our motorhomes, uh, obviously, we're never on par with with Tyler and Jeremy speed wise, but yeah. uh, we're Tyler and I are close in age, so we were always racing together. All we do and, is uh, uh, DM each other Ottawa Senators versus Maple Leafs. That's all we ever end up doing. <laughs> that's all we talk about these days. But uh, yeah, he's coming to the studio a bunch, and that's right. It was your dad uh, that was here, <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then they were gone, yeah. and COVID came. <laughs> and my wife is like, "Hey, what's up with this bike?" I'm like, "I don't really know, man. I don't know. I, I guess if when the Meekin auction hits again, we can sell it. I don't know what's going on." So <laughs> eventually, eventually, somebody came and picked it up. So and there's money to be made there. I, think, I know. Uh, you know, yeah. my dad had one that went for I think thirty grand. Yeah, um, I know nuts, for, right? You know, six grand. So it's it's pretty pretty wild, but yeah, the medallions were, were crucial to uh, to us growing up and learning. Obviously, my my dad grew up riding motorcycles, and we always had mm-hmm. had dirt bikes. You know, had Honda Mini Trails, Z50s, and CT70s, um, and then ultimately got into racing because of the medallions, yeah. and uh, and did that all through growing up. But uh, um, that's where it all started. Yeah. Ottawa, Sandalee, you know, back then you, you, instead, you know, today you have these tracks that are perfectly groomed and water trucks. And, you know, back then you, if you joined Sandalee, you, you literally got a key, uh, a padlock <laughs> yeah. key and yeah. you could go to the track, unlock whenever you want, unlock the padlock and go ride on this blown out, you know, hard yeah. packed with beach sand on top track. <laughs> um, so it, definitely come a long way yeah. and that's not that long i make it sound like i'm uh, you know back in my day but, yeah you know that was that was only 20 years ago and i think much like me you don't have much of a desire to move back i mean i love canada right like i still have the passport i'm going for my citizenship um and uh, i'll keep my canadian passport i wouldn't give it up and i love canada for certain reasons but then uh, yeah i have no desires to go back i think you're the same yeah, yes and no. I mean, okay. both both my wife and I are from Canada. You know, I was fortunate enough that uh, my mom was born in the U.S., so I was a dual citizen. So that's what made my path so easy for mm-hmm. me to to go from Canada to to working in the states. And 
but still went to school, you know, went to University of Ottawa, got my undergrad, got my graduate degree. And, um, you know, I was all set actually to, you know, go a totally different way, you know, decision as far as, you know, schooling. Uh-huh. I was going to go more the the sports science and kinesiology and, you know, okay. physical therapy yeah. direction. Uh-huh. Um but ultimately, I was working in a dealership, you know, at the parts counter and uh, and racing racing on the weekends, and uh, started working with Red Bull a little bit at a, a college level, and uh, you know, kind of saw this sport marketing vein that I never really knew existed, even though I I consumed it every day through. This is before social media, but you know, I'd be on Racer X and Transworld and mm-hmm. consuming media. And, and PR every day and not really realizing that that's an industry that you can go into. So it all kind of fell in place. And ultimately I needed a, an internship to finish my graduate degree. And I was just sending cold emails, anybody, any email I could get to, I sent an email to Blackfoot Honda, or I guess they were Blackfoot Yamaha at the time. I sent an email to Pingree when he was with Racer X, got nothing back. Davy Coombs, any email I could get hold of. I was trying to hit up and ultimately I think you were with racer X at the time. I don't know if it was pre pulp days. No, I, yeah, uh, I've I've been at racer X every year, but every, yeah, I've been at racer X every year since one, since 2007. So, yeah. Okay. So it was either racer, maybe pre or early pulp days. Um, but sent you an email, never got a reply, (laughs) nothing back. And then all of a sudden I get an email from, uh, this this guy Tom McGovern at, at Next Level Sports Management and hey we got your contact from Steve and heard you're looking for an internship and yeah. here's what we do and uh, yeah the rest is history you know started I actually had to chase them to make it happen and ultimately <laughs> say hey I, but, I booked a flight but now uh, that you know it now that day. you know them it makes sense right <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly I had to chase the guy I'm, I'm literally like stalking Tom trying to understand because he's not answering my emails and uh and I'm, he's, I'm he's I know golfing. He's, he's going to he's the golfing. races I'm like I'm checking his Twitter to see if he's like you know somewhere that I can try and track this dude down and uh and I kind of you know all my other I kind of put all my eggs in this basket yeah, yeah. and uh, I needed I needed an internship to finish my degree and so I didn't really have any other options so ultimately I just booked a flight and said, Hey, you know, I can start on this date. And, uh, then all of a sudden they're like, okay, great. Yeah. We'll find you something to do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's crazy. uh, Yeah. Yeah. But that paved the way I started working, um, with parts unlimited and, Mm -hmm. um, doing some of their, their email blasts and their press releases and just kind of dipping my toe in. It was an unpaid internship. And then fortunately at the end of that summer, um, Ashley Shearmeyer, who's uh, married to uh, Sheet Metal, Ben Shearmeyer, mm-hmm. they were getting the JG. He had just gotten the JGR deal, and they were moving to North Carolina. So that opened up. Ashley was working on the PR Kawasaki account. So that opened up that headcount, and I was able to mm-hmm. slide my way in there. And, yeah, worked for Next Level for, for four years, had had a great experience getting to work with a lot of great riders, you know, take home some championships and – uh, and then moved to the regional role, and then yeah. and then back with Kawasaki now. So. And basically, Kawasaki hired Next Level to do the outside PR agency things for the race team. I don't know why they do that. It's maybe a liability issue or an expenses. I don't know. Somehow, well, yeah, you know, it actually all started back with uh, with with Bruce and and Tony. Okay, um, 
and uh, they were both uh, IGSBA guys. And then <laughs> Bruce was working on the racing side and said, hey, you know, I really need someone that understands the industry to come in and, and handle our PR and work with our riders and our sponsor relations. You know, there, there just wasn't that capability within Kawasaki at the time. And so that's when Next Level really got started. Um, and Kawasaki was the accountant. And at first it was Tony himself and then Tom McGovern. And, and, you know, we've had many since. And I was able to come in and work that role. And uh, we still have that position today. It's, ama- um, it's amazing to- those guys were able to finish it in between golf games, you know. <laughs> it's, 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 it's tough to see them getting work done. But I guess, you know, I guess you can't. You can't golf in the dark, so maybe once the sun went down. There's a lot of there's a lot of work that can be done from the golf cart. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember getting your email, and I sent it to because you actually went to school and you were looking for marketing um, and maybe PR. You said I don't remember, but I I literally just sent it to Tony and said I don't know this guy, but he's Canadian, so he's awesome. And then never, you know, like <laughs> like never heard another like you know I'd never heard another word about it, right? And then next thing you know, you know, yeah, I, think, I remember, yeah. I remember when, you know, once it was done and I was actually working with the team and, you know, we kind of finally got to meet face to face. It was kind of like, yeah. Hey, I feel like I should thank you, yeah. but I don't really know you. Yeah. Uh, and I remember being like, yeah, cool, man. <laughs> right on. Well, yeah, cool. Yeah. So, uh, how about those cents? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. Well, listen, Shane Drew, I mean, like, uh, same thing. I paid it forward. I like to think a little bit because Shane Drew did some work for me to get me as started as a mechanic back in the day um, and didn't really right have on. to and really helped me out. And so, yeah, I, I always feel like it's, you know, good to pay it forward that way. Right. So, I mean, like, I yeah, said, especially, you know, going back to it being a small industry, um, you know, we have the ability to, uh, when you, when you see talent or you know, people that, you know, are looking for opportunities to try and do your best. And I, I've, I've tried to do that too, is any, you know, at least give some, some guidance or some insights mm-hmm. on, on my, my path and, and how, what, what works and what doesn't yeah. and what to be mindful of. So, yeah, I always I looked at it like you actually had real schooling and education, which is a, a step up of for many of us. <laughs> so, like you must be somewhat a good guy or somewhat hard worker, right? So that's kind of what I thought of. Um, hey, before I let you go, I think one of the things that I, um, so Feld and MX Sports working together, really good, a good thing for sure. It sort of happened a long time ago. There's more money into the sport as well for the racers. That's also a great thing. But something that they've really reached a common ground on. I think anyways, from things I hear from the racer X side and whether it's Loretta Lynn's and the amateur stuff that MX sports is big on. And of course, Feld ultimately also wants to get kids in a dirt bike. It's good for their business, right? Um, is, is, yeah, is exactly that coaching, which we have a, a United States motorcycle coaching association. Now they're doing a good mm-hmm. job and then getting kids on motorcycles, something that, that MX sports has fought for, for a while and, and fought the lead law and all that back in the day. But there are demos uh, at the Supercrosses, and I believe I think the, all the OEM shared, or is it only a Cowie thing now? At one point, they shared it. it. Yeah, it, it's fluctuated over the years, but yeah, okay. it's definitely a priority for us. Um, you know, so there's there's been times when you know Honda's had their their CRFs mm-hmm. and XRs out there, um, but we've done the last couple of years had had a demo tour at at the Supercross in the Fan Fest and. With us, we've got our new Kawasaki Electrode, our first, uh, you know, electric uh, balance bike, mm-hmm. and it's been awesome for us to to bring this to to the public, give them a chance. There's a lot of, you know, Supercross has such a broad audience. Sure, you have the the already power sports and and motocross consumers that are going there. They obviously know what's yeah. what's the marketplace is all about. But you got a ton of 
people that just know it's it's an event it's a it's a spectacle it's a it's a live action sport so um a lot of people don't know what's out there and what aren't as in tune as we are with the mm-hmm. industry and what what the offerings are from the oems so we've been able to bring out our kawasaki electrode um throughout the supercross season and actually we're going to have it at a couple outdoor races we're going to have it at uh, high point uh redbud and uh, millville so anybody that's going out to any of those will be able to if you've got a uh, you know a young one that's between three and eight years old, they can get on uh, a Kawasaki electrode and, and do a little demo. We we provide all the gear, mm-hmm. uh, we provide you know the education right there on and and we've got kind of a learn to ride area and then an area for those that you know already have some some riding background and in balance and things like that. So it's definitely been a priority for us. Um, you know, uh, is it work? Is it working? That, you know, like do you feel like it's working? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we had pretty, you know, we've been, we've done demos the last couple of years. We had a a dual sport kind of supermoto demo. We had kind of our mini moto demo. So we kind of had an idea of what we wanted to Mm -hmm. base, base it off of. And, uh, the numbers, um, you know, really, uh, you know, blew us out of the water as far as how many, we, it was, it was as many people as we could get through within the fan (laughs) fest numbers is as many we would do. I mean, we were doing, 150, 160 demos throughout that, you know, a few hours in, yeah. the, in the fan fest. Uh, so, you know, a huge opportunity for us to get people on our bikes um, and, you know, kind of foster that next generation of riders to, to come through and be, you know, thinking team green. And we've got the rest of the KX and KLX lineup out there. So whether you want a trail bike or, or a dirt bike, we've got it all so that it's a, a natural stepping stone. Yeah, I think it's, and like I said, I think Fell MX Sports are working with you guys, OEMs to provide a space and provide i don't know if it's cheaper to set up i don't know i understand that they're really cooperative with all the oems to try to get kids on demos and get them excited about riding and hopefully create new customers you know so um it does seem, yeah it does seem like there's a bit of a cooperation there which is great yeah know? it's a win-win yeah. for both of us yeah. right they're yeah. trying to create a fan fest and trying to create as much engagement and activities and and ultimately anytime we can get someone to to throw a leg over over one of our motorcycles um, is is a win for us. You know, it's there's nothing like riding it or driving it to uh, to kind of seal the deal and and really have the kid really asking mom and dad, I got to have one of these. Um, so um, yeah, it's demos are a huge part of us. We've got you know demo tours both uh, on the side by side as well as a touring demo tour for street motorcycles mm-hmm. that visits our dealerships uh, each and every weekend. Uh, we've got two two trucks that tour the tour the nation, so that's a, a big part of our marketing is uh, trying to get uh, butts and seats, as we say, and and trying to get our people to try it, ride it, and then go in and and uh, take it home with them. Something I'm surprised, and this is a little bit out of your uh, department, let's say, but something I'm surprised that so you and I went e biking a couple of years ago up in California in the hills. So it was a lot of fun. Um, and I know that I don't know how much you ride them now in Texas. It's pretty flat there, but you're, you're a lot actually. Oh, do you? I just okay. did an race last week. Nice. Surprise! Kawasaki hasn't dipped their toes into e-bikes. Yamaha has been doing it for for since the early '90s, and they're all bored with it. And we know Gas Gas and KTM. KTM just bought a Felt, right? That'll be launching soon. Yep. And Gas yep. Gas has their own. Husqvarna has their own. Um, you know, yeah, I'm su- kind of surprised because let's face it, Kawasaki offers you know from the from the mules. To you know, high performance seven fifty uh, jet skis. Cowie offers something for everybody. I'm surprised the e bike um, department hasn't been fired up though over at Team Green. 
Yeah, it's definitely been a, a topic for yep. sure that's been that's been discussed, and uh, you know, from there's been some things you know globally that have, there's been some licensing deals in other other parts of the globe with Kawasaki, and you know, kind of like uh, I think you know Ducati has one where that you know they don't necessarily manufacture it, but it's yep. it's it's marketed as a Ducati um, e-bike, and I, I'm not sure you know what the the KTM Husky or the Gas Gas ones are. If, how much of that is in-house and how much of that is, you know, through a, a bicycle partner. Um, but it's definitely, you know, a growing segment, especially the, the e-bike side and not only, you know, from a performance, you know, enduro racer, like, like, like your bike is, but even just the, the get around town. If you, yeah. if you, anybody that lives in a, in a coastal city for sure in California, I'm sure other parts of the country, uh, I mean, that's all kids do. High school kids, young kids, they're, they're jumping on e-bikes from these super 73s to full performance, uh, e-mountain bikes and they're ripping around. That's how they get to school. That's how they get to the beach. That's how they hang out with their friends. And it's, it's definitely pretty cool in, in, in my eyes. It's, it's almost, if you think back to the seventies when dirt bikes were, you know, cheap and accessible and, and at least my, my parents, you know, that's, that's where their first exposure to it and kind of, started this generation of of uh dirt bike oriented uh enthusiasts mm-hmm. i think we're kind of seeing that as well i think anytime you can put two pe- people on two wheels and expose them to it and give them uh you know low barriers mm-hmm. of entry it's a good thing so all these kids that are riding e-bikes to school it's only natural for them to think okay well now i got my license i want to get an actual motorcycle and uh mm-hmm. and commute on that so yeah i think it's a good thing it's definitely somewhere uh of interest to kawasaki we don't have anything uh you know currently other than the the electric balance bike that i mentioned for yep. kids but yep. definitely something that we're going to keep our eye on and um whether it's you know full full ev uh we've we've japan has shown some things of you know full ev motor street motorcycles mm-hmm. i know Honda's shown their electric CRF, um, and so it's it's definitely coming in various forms and fashions. Yeah, and uh, it's exciting to see where it's going to go. Yeah, I I agree. I I don't know if I've ever even got arm pump on a motorcycle as bad as I did going down that one run we did there with the break, <laughs> with the braking bumps, whatever the hell that was called. It was uh, called the Luge. The, the Luge, famous, famous trail here. Yeah, in Southern California. For sure. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever. That's one of the worst hand pump, arm pump I think I've ever gotten. But <laughs> fun times for sure. Uh, all right, did we touch on anything else? Did, 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 did I did I ask all the right questions? Did I forget anything? Uh, I think you were going to say that you can't wait to ride the KX450 SR, and you know it's going to blow yeah. blow anything else out of the water. <laughs> easy the water. on that. Was, I mean, it was in the show notes. It was in the show okay, notes. easy on that. <laughs> uh, you know, Blue Crew. <laughs> Uh, great bike, uh, great company. Um, no, it's uh, it's like I said, it's interesting to see that. I think I think we're gonna see. I mean, why wouldn't the OEMs all get on board with this and maybe even two fifties and everything else? Because they're, from what I understand, uh, you guys had great sales numbers. Honda had great sales numbers. Um, yeah, I can really see it taking off that that end of things. You know, um, I always just find it amazing. People are like, "Who's gonna buy a seven thousand dollar e bicycle?" And then they're all gone. You know, it's just like who's yeah, gonna. Yeah, that's that's you know, what's crazy is yeah. you know people people balk at the price of a of a KX being seven grand, but then you look at the bicycle industry and yeah. these e bikes are are seven eight grand, yeah. and the margins you know from our dealers' perspective, they can sell a seven grand you know whether it's a street bike you know Ninja four hundred or uh, a KX four fifty, 
or they can sell this, you know, um, e-bike from a, a bike manufacturer and the money that the margin of growth and, and financially for them on an e-bike is way higher than you just think about the components, right? Um, the, for the fact that they retails for the same thing, you've got so much more cost mm-hmm. in a motorcycle than you do, uh, an e-bike. So, yeah. um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of opportunity there. And, uh, I think you'll see more and more of our industries kind of blending together. Um, you know, a lot of the, the, the mountain bike guys, you know, love, love moto. Uh, we've had the chance to work with a lot of, you know, world cup downhill guys and, uh, enduro racing guys that mm-hmm. they all follow moto, right? Yeah. They're, they're, yep. That's what they all strive. So there's, there's a natural tie that, and, and, and even my buddies that I ride with, you know, they've never ridden. Most of them maybe ridden a dirt bike here or there, but they're, they're not power sports consumers or enthusiasts, but they follow supercross and they love it. So there's definitely a natural tie there for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I think that, uh, yeah, I, I agree. There's a, there, that'll, that'll, you'll see more blending of that. I think as we, as we, we move on. Um, thanks man. I appreciate it. Congrats on the success in the industry. Um, like I said, you've touched a lot of different facets, uh, from, you know, directly boots on the ground, racing PR to sales, to marketing, to how to market, you know, this bike or that bike. And, and, um, yeah, man, you've, you've really, I feel like you've got a good, you know, base on everything that we, we do in this crazy industry. So, yeah. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm, I'm fortunate enough to, to be able to touch a lot of different things within the industry and, um, and have a say and see how it, it all interlinks. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's a blast. You know, we're, we, we, at Cowie, we like to say, you know, we ultimately, we sell fun yeah, and, uh, we're, we're the good times, we're the good times company, you know, our slogans, let the good times roll. And, uh, so we like to always remember that, uh, at the end of the day, um, it's all about, you know, riding your motorcycle, riding your jet ski, riding your side by side and sure. having a good time doing it. So. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree for sure. Uh, thanks for the time. Ken, really appreciate it. Good luck with everything. I'm sure. When will I see you next? I don't well, are we, if I ride, Um, like, maybe Paula. Okay. Uh, I'm going to definitely be at a couple of the okay. outdoors this year. I haven't quite locked it in yet. But. All right. Well, thanks for the we'll time. We'll see you man. to ride that KX450. Well, listen, you got you have a lot to try to measure up to uh, the bike of the year, um, <laughs> you know, the Blue Crew. So we're uh, ready for it. But uh, listen, uh, I, I'll have fun doing it anyways. Thanks for the time today on the Fly Racing Race Rex podcast. Thanks, man. Okay, thanks, Steve. This has been the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show, presented by Maxxis Tires, Renthal, Motorsport.com, and Kuba Links on RacerXOnline.com. Thanks for listening and supporting our partners.